Inflation is historically high, as every news outlet has reported, but there was some good news this week. Core CPI, a measure that excludes food and energy costs, increased just three-tenths of a percent from February to March, and that number is generally in line with what core CPI was before the pandemic. In other words, it's consistent with low rates of inflation. Core CPI was low because of a balancing of supply and demand for goods and commodities. To take just two examples, footwear prices rose 1.3% from January to February, but only one-tenth of a percent from February to March. More significantly, prices for used cars and trucks fell. They were 3.8% cheaper in March than in February. Inflation is still overall at a historic high point, but the revelation this week that there had been a dramatic fall in core CPI in the United States in March offered a glimmer of hope for what some economists think might be the beginning of the end for high inflation. In this edition of Commerce Code, NFTs, Web3, and the future of blockchain, a conversation with Greg Consiglio of Moonwalk. Dan Carell here, and this is Commerce Code, brought to you by DCA, the Digital Commerce Alliance. Thanks for joining us for insights into the evolving world of digital commerce. We're talking about NFTs on today's episode, non-fungible tokens. As always, NFTs were making news this week. Lawyers and regulators continue to work out what NFTs are and what they're capable of being under the law. According to reporting from Payments.com, state securities regulators in Texas and Alabama ordered a virtual casino promoter to stop selling NFTs to fund casinos in the metaverse. According to the regulators, the terms of the purported NFT sales made those NFTs securities under the law and subject to extensive regulation. In China this week, three financial industry associations jointly published a document outlining the risks associated with NFTs and looking to limit how they can be used. This week's notice doesn't appear to have the force of law, but may anticipate how NFTs could be treated when China does issue regulations. The guidelines state that NFTs shouldn't be used in connection with financial assets, that centralized trading of NFTs should not occur, and that NFTs shouldn't be priced or sold using cryptocurrencies. That last point is consistent with China's ban on all cryptocurrency transactions last September, but the document did say that NFTs and other blockchain technologies could be valuable to China's economy if they are closely regulated. As a new product category with a particularly wide-open future, NFTs have faced some headwinds, but major organizations still see plenty of value. Cointelegraph reports this week that MasterCard has filed 15 NFT and metaverse-related trademark applications. The marks appear to relate to a digital community that will allow interactions with digital assets, metaverse-based payment card processing, an e-market for digital goods, and virtual events, among other things. Visa and American Express are known to have made crypto-related patent filings as well. Today on the show, we'll learn more about NFTs, Web3, and the Internet's blockchain future by speaking with Greg Consiglio, co-founder and chief strategy officer of Moonwalk. Moonwalk helps brand-intensive organizations like sports teams to build communities using NFTs. Greg, welcome to Commerce Code, uh, and thank you so much for joining us. Where are you joining us from today? Hey, Dan, how are you? Thanks for having me. I am in Miami today. Fantastic. Greg, you recently presented at our hybrid DCA forum in San Francisco in March, and you shared a presentation that highlighted that the NFT market is now over $23 billion, I think, up from $100 million in 2020. And I just wanted to ask to start off, from your perspective, how much do you think that number will continue to grow in the next couple of years? 
we've obviously seen incredible growth over the last 18 months or so. And to date, I think it's largely been in the area of art and collectibles and the incredible growth in 2021 from native NFTs communities, you know, especially in the resale market for a number of the top collections that are now becoming almost household names and brands like the Bored Apes. And we're seeing deals being done where venture capital is getting involved. Brand marketers have now taken notice. And we think the next phase of growth comes as brands begin to utilize NFTs within their marketing mix to engage their customers and reward them with digital assets in the form of NFTs that have real world utility. There's lots of forecasts when it comes to growth. One example I've been using lately is from Q1, where Jeffrey said that they saw the NFT market reaching more than 80 billion in value by 2025. And Jeffrey's raised its market cap forecast to 35 billion for 2022 and expects double digit percentage growth for the next five years. So there's no doubt that this is a high growth market as we move from the early stages of the beginning of leaving Web 2 into Web 3. NFTs are a really flexible platform, right? They can do a lot of things. And so from a content perspective, when you look at what other brands are doing, what other kinds or types of NFT content would you see coming or are you seeing now? As I said, I think the first wave last year was art and collectibles, and obviously that's going to continue the digital art market. It's exploding with new opportunities for creators. But I think there's a distinction when it comes to content, and that's that it's not so much the NFT itself, but really the technology that we're talking about is the underlying token that's represented by the NFT and what the NFT can provide to the user. So utility in the form of content is what's so exciting for brands. And that can be everything from music minted and distributed and sold as NFTs, existing IP. It was recently announced the Batman collection from DC Comics, all the way through to major sports franchises providing exclusive access to their fans. We're seeing NFTs that deliver token-gated access for discounts to live events, but also rewarding customers for attending live events. There's absolutely no doubt that NFTs are going to play a major role in providing access to content available only in metaverse environments, everything from movie premieres to concerts and to sporting events. I have no doubt that we've got some listeners who are earlier than the front end of learning about NFTs is just a, a range of what people can focus on. We, we've got some folks too, I'm sure, who are experts at it. But for those who are in the place of wanting to learn more, which I hope is all of us at this stage on this kind of a topic, what are the sort of places where we can go and buy them, interact with them? You know, nothing focuses the mind like actually just saying, hey, let me spend a few bucks or, or maybe more than a few bucks to buy something and just figure it out. What would you recommend? Yeah, I think that's always a good way to start in a new market is just to dive in and just learn. And, and in most cases, understanding how to purchase your first NFT can be found by you know a quick Google search and going and watching some YouTube videos. But when it comes to the NFT marketplaces, obviously OpenSea is one of the largest ones along with Nifty Gateway and Foundation, Super Rare, Rarible. These are all marketplaces that have been around now since last year. But beyond the general marketplaces, there's also a trend towards both brands and creators operating their own branded sites, marketplaces and wallets where they can sell and gift and distribute NFTs to their fans and customers directly without a middleman. All of this is starting to become easier where you don't have to use crypto. So OpenSea just announced last week that you're able to purchase with credit cards as well. So I think as the market evolves, it's very important to be able to move beyond the early adopters and get to mainstream. And I think you're going to start to see that with brands getting more involved and a lot of the exchanges starting to take forms of payment that are not reliant solely on crypto. 
we've been hearing about Web3 for a little while now. That made me think to myself, gosh, the idea of the term Web 2.0 has been around for forever. I don't know what year it would have been, but I think if you surveyed 10 people on the street and said, hey, what's Web 3? You might get nine and a half answers that are kind of nothing. So I wonder if you can talk to us about how do you explain what Web 3 is and then how it's really impacting commerce? Yeah, I think that's a good point when it comes to the definitions, really depending upon who you're speaking to inside the industry. And there are a lot of components that make up Web3, depending upon who you're talking to. Certain areas might be emphasized over others. To us, the key to understanding the major distinction as we evolve from Web2 to Web3 is that first, we're all going to be able to own digital assets in the form of tokens and NFTs that are tied to the brands and to the creators and the franchises that we love and engage with. I think that ownership is a major distinction between where we've been in Web2. And then secondly, brands and creators are going to be able to engage with their audiences directly once again using tokens, NFTs, and wallets rather than being disaggregated by third-party social platforms the way we've been for the last you know, better part of a decade or more. And then really ownership of digital assets that are part of a brand's ecosystem and the direct brand to audience relationships are fundamental cornerstones of what Web3 is all about. It feels like Web3 is talked about in parallel to the metaverse idea and execution, but are those two things really necessarily related? There's a lot of buzzword bingo as there is with any kind of new industry evolving. And you'll hear people talk about the metaverse when really there will be numerous types of metaverses. And you might see some of the early examples today where people are participating in the central land or they're buying land in the sandbox or they're hosting events in Roblox or others that are really gaming platforms. And in the future, you're going to see brands having their own metaverse where you're just engaging digitally with an avatar that you can dress. You might be unlocking content using an NFT that you own inside of a brand's own metaverse that is an experience all unto itself. And over time, these will start to become interoperable with one another as platforms. It's a bit of a confusing space, and mostly what you're seeing from brands right now is experimentation. We're at Moonwalk, we're getting RFPs in from major agencies now where brands are looking to put their toe in the water and to do brand activations inside of various metaverse environments. So it's early days, it's experimental, but it's definitely, I think, recognized by brands that there will be audience there. And because there's going to be audience there, the brands are going to want to be there as well. Greg, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about custom wallets. And it's something I know you know something about, but what's the kind of value that a brand can get out of a custom wallet? I think this theme of shifting from Web 2 into Web 3, you know, Web 2 had so much brand interaction with our customers happening on third-party social platforms. And the shift to a more direct brand-to-customer relationship that uses digital assets to engage and reward customers is a fundamental shift and part of where this is headed. And so using customized branded wallets where brands can invite their existing Web2 audiences who follow them in social or they have an email address for and invite them to earn or purchase tokens and NFTs directly from their own platform again through a wallet means that once again, I think brands will start engaging directly with their audiences and provide them ownership in the brand's community. And you know I think that happens through branded wallets or some form of a branded account. And we think this becomes incredibly significant once again for marketers to have that transactional experience where their audience is owning a piece, if you will, of their brand through the ownership of a digital asset in the form of an NFT. This is going to call for speculation, obviously, but thinking further about that wallet piece down the line, is there a couple of years of stable growth there followed by a, a next thing? Like, What do you expect to become of the brand custom wallet as far as you see now? 
I'm not one of these people that thinks because the industry that I'm working in is you know going to be the only thing that people think about and that everything is going to be an NFT. But the reality is when you can leverage smart contracts and you can put assets that otherwise were not digital now onto a blockchain and they can be immutable and you can actually tell that there's provenance to it and ownership, everything from my driver's license to my brand loyalty card for a major airline should be able to be on the blockchain in the form of an NFT and should be you know in the latter when it comes to a loyalty card that should reside inside some type of a digital asset wallet, just like it does today. And it's just a form factor that's going to change. But that ownership of that NFT inside a brand wallet should give me, the user, lots of utility in the form of discounts or gated access that I can't otherwise get if I'm not part of that community. So I think the wallet becomes really fundamental, just like in a lot of cases for brands, native apps became very fundamental during Web 2.0. You know, if you roll the tape back to the late 90s, we were only beginning to imagine what the internet could do just generally. And it feels like with your comments about what could be on the blockchain, what could be in a custom wallet, there's a big terrain. We haven't fully explored it. We'll probably think of things later that this could be good for that haven't even come up yet. And that there's just going to be a lot of action here in the next decade. Yeah, I think you're right. I think if web, you know, 1.0 was TCPIP that then had websites built on top of an application built on top of it and web 3, you're looking at blockchain being the base layer and then web 3 being the consumer focused, you know, layer on top of that and I think we're just scratching the surface now. Great. Well, look, thank you for your time and your thoughts today, Greg. Totally appreciate it. Thanks thank you, Dan. Thanks for having me. Coming right up, closing thoughts on digital tectonics. When we were discussing the future of Web3, Greg said the word disintermediation, and it triggered some memories. In 1999, I was at a management consultancy researching what we were calling the new economy. If you're old enough, you'll remember 1999. As far as we knew, the industrial economy was about to give way to something we didn't really understand. It involved the World Wide Web. Our research focused on three forces in order to try and understand this phenomenon. Digitization disintermediation, and unbundling. I thought of them as tectonic plates, digital tectonics. These three ideas are still relevant today because the first World Wide Web and then Web 2.0 didn't take them all the way to the finish line, but I think Web 3 might. Digitization was the idea that physical products that didn't have to be physical in nature would disappear. That happened to music, for example, and a few other things. But we still have paper currency, wallets with credit cards, chemistry textbooks that weigh 40 pounds, and real pets whose real poop you still have to clean up. There have been attempts to digitize all of these things, but the world is nowhere near being fully digitized. Okay, I was mostly kidding about digitized pets, but there was a really interesting article this week about AI-enhanced NFT metaverse pets. I'm assuming their realism does not include poop. Actually, I I don't want to know. Disintermediation was the second force, and that was the idea that intermediaries would lose power and disappear. Newspapers were disintermediated in part by Craigslist and Twitter, blogs and the like, but Craigslist and Twitter are themselves intermediaries. Professors still work for universities, corporate lawyers still work for big law firms, and authors still mostly write for publishers. Some of that stuff has changed, but the world wasn't really disintermediated. It was mostly re-intermediated. Finally, unbundling was the idea that complex offerings could easily be sold a la carte. Again, a university degree is a pretty good example. The diploma bundle is still very much intact in spite of an ocean of free online learning. Computer hardware is still overwhelmingly sold, bundled with software, and so on. 
The world is somewhat unbundled, but I predict there's much more to come. In 1999, we understood these three forces pretty well, but we didn't understand the internet. How could we? It was just starting. The intervening decades have shown the promise and limitations of the internet, but now blockchain makes it much more powerful, and I think that will supercharge these three tectonic forces again. I don't think we've begun to understand what NFTs and Web3 can do. As we explore the possibilities, we'll see another wave of digitization, disintermediation, and unbundling, continuing what was started way back in 1999. Members of DCA's Financial Data Forum are invited to join leading industry experts on Tuesday, May 17th for a virtual conference exploring best practices in data personalization, transparency, security, and interoperability. Speakers will talk about the cutting edge of these issues representing Discover, TransUnion, Vantage Score, Collinson Value Dynamics, Cardlytics, and Pendadata, with many other companies attending. If you'd like to learn more about the conference, just visit our website, www.digcomall.org, or drop us a line at info at digcomall.org. That's info at D-I-G-C-O-M-A-L-L dot org. For the Digital Commerce Alliance, take care of yourself and take care of each other. God bless. This is Dan Carell, signing off. <laughs>